Mikey, Mikey, Mike. Yes. How are you? I'm doing pretty well. How was your Super Bowl Sunday? It was extraordinary. <laughs> it was. A lot of food? Uh, yes, it was. Uh, honestly, for the listeners, we cheated. Johannes had to like brief me before we started. <laughs> that there was a Super Bowl? Super Bowl that, that there place? was a Super Bowl. That someone won. <laughs> It totally cheated. I feel like a liar. We don't have to talk about the sporting aspect of the whole thing. Yeah. Just the experience. How was That's the right, how yeah. was the first virtual Super Bowl? That was actually pretty fun. Yeah. Uh, how many people were you? friends for the, Yeah, there was a, about six of us. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So good mm -hmm. fun. Yeah, it was good fun. It was just kind of like the the normal kind of like hanging out, like talking trash, and you know, like reacting to things. That was fun. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. Um, And also, we should mention one of our um, alumni from the University of Pennsylvania, our alma mater, <laughs> our common university, actually got voted, uh, got elected coach of the year of the NFL, Kevin oh, Stefanski, awesome. 2004 Penn alum, huh? uh, first year head coach with the Cleveland Browns. Oh my gosh. Uh, yeah, and was responsible for the first playoff win for the team in more than 25 years. Oh my gosh. So, yeah. University of Pennsylvania, which is not very, very no. great at football. No, not in the least. Oh. <laughs> should That's also awesome. mention that. <laughs> Clearly not. It also said that in the article. No. Well, uh, I don't know. It's sort of, I think it, it, is, it assumed that knowledge. Yeah. Um, but I think we even went to, to watch a game there. Uh, clearly yeah. not a priority for, for the no. University of Pennsylvania, which is fair enough. There's no. other, other more important priorities there. That's um, it. All right, you're listening to the Americanist podcast. My name is Johannes Ehrmann. I'm joined as every time by my dear friend and scholar from Stanford, Mike Bayoki in California. Mike, I got some great news for you. Ooh. We are the number one politics podcast in Kosovo. Oh, yep. I th our marketing campaign really worked. <laughs> the good thing we got that billboard. All the flyers we dropped over Pristina. Um, oh, that's so cool. So I don't let's, know, this let's came, take a moment and just say, hey, Kosovo, thank you for listening. Yeah, That's really cool. Really great. So apparently this is based on Apple Podcast last 30 days rating. I have absolutely no clue how this um, happens. Yeah. Uh, I've been to Kosovo actually a couple of times and researched there for some of my uh, reports and stories. Um, mm. And I mean, there's a, there's a big American history there as well. So a little fun fact for you there. One thing that I absolutely found hilarious when I first went to Pristina um, the biggest boulevard there, named after Bill Clinton. Oh, no. Oh, yes. okay, yeah. Yeah, just like, <laughs> oh, yeah, now I know why. <laughs> oh, yeah, okay. <laughs> yeah, so Kosovo, yeah, pretty um, grateful for the role uh, you guys yeah. played uh, in shaping their independence. And I think they also have a, another stream named after George W. Bush, actually. Hmm. Because the US also in 2008 was one of the first countries worldwide to recognize the independence of Kosovo. Uh. Um, yeah. Several countries, of course, still have not, most notably Serbia and Russia. Yeah. Yeah. My friend and artist from uh, Kosovo, Alban Muja, he actually tracked down uh, nine kids um, who were named after Tony Blair. Oh, really? Yeah, but their first name is Tony Blair. And it's written <laughs> in Albanian. So it's T-O-N-I-B-L-E-R, <laughs> Tony Blair. Oh, so, that's yeah, really all cool. these, so you have all these uh, youngsters uh, in Kosovo running around uh, being named uh. after 
yeah, the great Tony Blair. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, that was our Kosovo section. Shout out to our listeners uh, in the Balkans. Um, but we need to talk about Corona. Uh, yeah. We talked about it, I think, in October in one of our early episodes of the podcast. Yeah. Um, back then, sort of the storyline was uh, I was really proud how Germany had handled the first half year of the pandemic. You, still under the Trump administration, uh, were not nearly doing as well. Uh, well, what can I say? At the end of February, uh, we're not doing so great anymore. Uh, <laughs> so, um, yeah, um, just maybe for our international listeners um, who are not so familiar with the situation in Germany. Yeah. Um, the first wave last spring, uh, I mean, we had very, very few cases. And so sort of went into the summer really like kind of thinking, okay, we, we got this under control, everything's fine. Um, there were no real very tough restrictions apart from maybe indoor dining that was a bit restricted over the summer. Um, but it was still even possible, like everything pretty much was opened up over the last summer. But then in the fall, um, yeah, we hit the second wave and we hit it pretty hard. Um, and now since early November, um, we're sort of in this semi-lockdown, I would call it. Yeah. So most businesses, all restaurants apart from takeaway and all cultural sites have been closed now for three months yeah. running. And guess what? The curve is going up again since a few days. So, um, yeah. yeah, we have this uh, famous uh, mutations or mutants, uh, a word that I uh, vaguely remembered from watching the turtles as a child, um, have now hit us. <laughs> Forgive my black humor here because, uh, yeah, people are getting kind of tired. Thank God the weather has changed at least. Now we have, oh, <laughs> we have spring. Yeah. We, had, we had like a Canadian temperatures for whatever, two, three weeks. We had like minus 10 Celsius. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I don't even yeah. know how much that is in Fahrenheit. But since yesterday, uh, it's really mild. So that helps a bit. You can be outside um, for more than an hour uh, before you, your feet fall off. Um, but um, yeah, can you explain me? <laughs> because I'm really yeah. putting a lot of my hopes here in you, my dear scientist friend. <laughs> Please explain to me what is going on. Will we be fine? When yeah. will I get my vaccination? Thank you. Cheryl, oh man, you are asking so yes, much. All of that, please now. <laughs> um, uh, so, we have a right to be really excited. These vaccines are really uh, way better than we could have asked for. I mean, like, <clears throat> recently, in the last couple of days, last week or something like that, The Lancet came out. Uh, there's an uh, article in The Lancet looking at what, you know, some of the early data from Israel where they've done a really good job of like ramping up the vaccine and it is like 90% effective. Like mm -hmm. this is, I, I get chills reading this because that's not the usual level. And it looks like it's doing a phenomenal job of cutting down transmission. So not only are people not ending up sick, people, sorry, let's start here. People are not ending up dead. Just not like, it's just you know, once you get the vaccine, it looks like it does a phenomenal job of, yeah. of getting rid of the probability of death. Then people are just not also like it's reducing the uh, load on the body. So people are not getting as sick when they get infected. And then it's also cutting transmission. Like this is this is w what we could have hoped for. This is the most. So, so game changer, game changer. I mean, like uh, the let's say <clears throat> how to say this like. The, the issues around the vaccine worldwide and getting the uh, COVID under control is going to be human level. 
it's going to be distribution, making sure that people feel comfortable taking it, you know, getting everybody on the same page. Like, so we're taking it like in the same like, right paces, like that's going to be the challenge. Mm -hmm. uh, we'll get to that in a second yeah. because I have some grievances there as well. <laughs> sure. Very, very impatient person uh, anyway. Um, but let's just follow up quickly on that study. Um, so that study that you just mentioned in, in the Lancet, this uh, very big uh, science yeah. journal, yep. um, this relates to the BioNTech um, That's right. vaccine? Yep. Okay. Yeah. Um, and what about the other vaccines because there has also been a lot of discussion here and a bit of reluctance apparently by some portions of the people who are who are already eligible to be vaccinated mm. um, with the famous oxford uh, astrazeneca yeah. one because uh, it's been reported that it's only 60% effective mm -hmm. if that's even true i have mm -hmm. no clue mm -hmm. um, but you know how it is uh, some news right. gets post it out there and then someone retweets it and then the right. whole world's going crazy yeah um, I remember you being very very enthusiastic about the Oxford yep. um, vaccine um, also because it's much much cheaper uh, right. than, and it's more easily transportable um, than other vaccinations yeah um, and If you care for these kind of details, please go back in our episode list. Uh, there is a Corona episode, I believe, in November, uh, where we talk about a lot uh, uh, about these different vaccinations. But so, is that what can you tell me about this? Like, is, is it really just this one BioNTech one that we right. uh, can be crazy about, or the no. others just don't have studies yet? Yeah. So um, the reason that we have that Lancet study that just came out on the um, the Pfizer BioNTech stuff is. Um, It got that's it got rolled out in Israel. That was like the big one that got deployed there. Um, we will be getting lots more information on these other ones. There's there's several things that happen with the AstraZeneca Oxford one. Um, early on, I think even like at the time of our first podcast, there were some really weird irregularities in how they deployed their study and how they were analyzing and reporting their mm -hmm. study and that kind of stuff. And so it just shows you that. Uh, a lot of what's going on with vaccines and this kind of stuff is built around trust. There's a really cool book if people want to check it out. And I wish I could remember the author, um, but it's called Stuck. Uh, and we'll, we'll put it in the notes to the podcast. Um, pretty quick, easy book about vaccines and getting people to you know think about that. Um, so there's a lot of stuff about rumors and like how people respond to information and how people mm -hmm. seek out information. And that's what's going on with the AstraZeneca stuff. It is a perfectly fine vaccine. It doesn't have doesn't have any. Um, there's a, there's this like series of bumps uh, early on where um, I think it was in the UK people started getting concerned that people were having allergic responses and that kind of stuff. It doesn't look like that bears out after further study. So it's really tough uh, because these are all brand new um, kinds of technologies and you know vaccines. And mm -hmm. AstraZeneca just got the brunt of it, like. Um, because they came out the door, they sort of stumbled off the line. And I think like everybody sort of like piled on and got concerned about them. So let's pause. Johnson and Johnson's vaccine just, you know, has been now reported on and looks phenomenal. Uh, it has the same kind of stability properties um, and more traditional distribution methods. And it's like a one, one time dose. You know, I'm way less concerned now. Uh, about what happened with AstraZeneca in terms of like the global um, fight, um, Johnson Johnson's will be able to step into that role. Mm -hmm. um, so, in terms of like, <clears throat> what do we have? We have four very good 
uh, and three extremely good. Um, sorry, so three of those four are extremely good uh, vaccines. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, these are great mm-hmm. vaccines, and the technologies, especially that wins the Moderna and the um, Pfizer, are just phenomenal. Um, mm-hmm. Like we now have the ability to beat back a lot of. Uh, we have the knowledge to beat back a lot of viruses coming in the future. It's pretty okay. cool. So, so the outlook would be that we will have this pandemic under control at some point. It's just a matter of when. Yeah, that's right. It's going to be a lot of logistics. It's going to a lot be a lot of like political will and production. Um, and so, I bet in sort of the countries that tend to have more resources it will largely be under control by the fall mm-hmm. of next year it'll you'll feel pretty close to being back to normal in the fall fall of 2022 uh 2021 i had to like oh, check so this year, year this year yeah this year. okay i was about yeah, to okay upcoming fall <laughs> yeah. no sorry <laughs> yeah you know there's a there's a re- inside of the public health community there's this real concern that we are being super cautious mm. And we're saying things like, oh, maybe things might be okay by 2050. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, and it's like, guys, we just kept people locked up for the last year. Yeah, exactly. And like, we need some Please hope. lie to and, us. Please say something Yeah, nice. like yeah. a little, well, <laughs> what we're doing, what's happening in the communications is everybody's like, hey, here's the worst case mm. and we're going to prepare you for the worst mm. case. And that's like... Mm. that's sort of like how academics and like really cautious you know like communication goes mm. but like we should also just celebrate like holy cow mm. i am super excited we are in a super good position and i i mean the number of people who are really vulnerable mm. is not huge i mean sorry yeah let me be really precise here so yeah. you can see like yeah, you yeah. can see how like careful we have to be right <laughs> but if you think about the most vulnerable people, yeah. so those are people who are like over 70, mm-hmm. um, a lot of them are in like in the United States are almost, you know, a huge chunk of them are now uh, vaccinated. Mm-hmm. They're going, there's going to be a, a very large drop mm-hmm. in the rates of death. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of other things we have to be concerned mm-hmm. about, like the cardiovascular like systems of people really get like beat up. Like there's some early indications that there are some really long-term consequences to this disease mm-hmm. that like, you know, are hitting young people as well. Mm. And we haven't figured that out. So I don't want to say like everything is going to go away, mm. but, um, in the very, in the short term, mm. in the next couple of months, uh, there's a number of people who are no longer at risk of death. Mm. And that is a huge win. I do feel good or a little bit better now, uh, knowing that there is vaccinations somewhere out there. Um, however, being the impatient person that I am and also knowing that BioNTech is a German company yeah. uh, teaming up with uh, one of the largest pharma players worldwide, Pfizer, right. uh, American company, why the hell is Germany so slow in <laughs> distributing these vaccinations? Yeah. Because, I mean, I actually pulled up the, the list here um, and the, the, the full vaccinations per 100,000 inhabitants. Um, okay, some, some teeny tiny countries at the top, Gibraltar, um, <laughs> Israel, also smaller country, Cayman Islands, okay, who cares. Then the US already with 5.6, 5.6 per 100,000 uh, or yeah. uh, a total of 63 million doses yeah. of uh, the vaccines uh, altogether. Um, I have to scroll down about half an hour here uh, to find Germany with like two per 100,000 uh, just after Cyprus and before Hungary. Um, UK, I read, is like insanely fast. 
Mm. In soccer, we usually beat them. What the <laughs> hell is going on? This is not cool. Yeah. Yeah, or, or like, so I do not understand what's going on with Germany. <laughs> uh, aren't you guys usually like super efficient yeah. and like really good at logistics? Like, I, just, I, th- I think it's the EU. I think the EU yeah. somehow uh, wasn't as um, quick or daring or risk embracing as maybe yeah. some other countries. Uh, you know, so I can tell you a little bit about here in the United States. Yeah, uh, please. There was a real hesitancy. So one of the things that was happening that everybody knew. Uh, was an issue is there needed to be money injected in the system sort of like during the summer, this past summer, to get the kinds of productions that would need to be happening right now. And here in the United States, the Trump administration did not step in in the way that it should have um, to make guarantee purchases and, and that kind of thing to make sh- make it very clear that like there would be the resources to ramp up um, and I don't know if that was the same thing with the EU, um, but they weren't taking the risks that they needed to um, in the middle of, of this pandemic. Um, yeah, and now we're bearing those consequences. Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't, you know, the production side of things is not my expertise at all. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think it's, it, you know, even inside of the United States, uh, if you were to look at different states, it's sort of where you might anticipate that we just aren't really vaccinating. Like, so if you look at like Mississippi, Texas, like, you know, um, Arkansas, like it is, these are very low rates. You look at other states, Maine, Maine is just kicking butt. <laughs> Maine has a, <laughs> really? yeah, yeah, all 12 people there have now been vaccinated. <laughs> and most of the moose, we're, we're vaccinating moose now, which is because we're sh- showboating. <laughs> That's good. That's yeah. good. So how's the situation in California, where you are? Um, so yeah. Well, f- first of all, in terms of lockdown or anything, and then also in terms of vaccinations. Like, right. when do, do you know, for example, when it will be your turn? I don't. Um, so mm. uh, I'm paying attention to the exact stuff because I know I'm probably going to be, like, late summer. I sort of did, like, the calculations early on and was sort of, like, doing mm. guess. And so I... I uh, I am like you. I am very impatient, and when I know that's going to happen to me, I figure out a way to check out. <laughs> I set myself a little calendar reminder. That said, so California came out of its sort of like statewide lockdown about a month ago. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, the New York Times, and we'll put a link, I think, in the show notes if we can um, to this. Had an absolutely stunning graphic, very simple about how many deaths have occurred through time. And it's a very, it's a black and white uh, picture, just some dots through time. And it is, uh, I mean, I almost, I I teared up when I saw it. Um, Uh We lost control of coronavirus from about, uh, you know, Thanksgiving through January here in the United States. You can see the amount of deaths here. We basically just gave up. Um, And, uh, I think it was very correct for um, California to go into this like sort of uh, huge lockdown, but it's also really staggering to realize how many people were dying and it just wasn't on our radar. There was a lot of political stuff that pushed it out of the way. Um, I was about to say, I mean, you can't help but notice the um, the comparison um, to, you know, the po- political instability that yeah. was going on precisely at that point in time right yeah. it was precisely the trans- transition period right? that's exactly and you know it was catalyzed by people traveling during thanksgiving um and moving mm. the virus around and then it really you know spiked again during uh, the sort of christmas uh, new year's mm. period um 
but yes, it does. It, uh, it is a really important part of the story that we have to keep hitting over and over again. That, that a lot of this is politics and group level decision making. So politics mm-hmm. has a sort of like bad rap. All oh, politicians are doing stupid, but like yeah. this is group level decision making, and that's why politics yeah. exists. And this is the kind of level that we have to think about when we're dealing with an infectious disease. So a lot of you know, especially American contemporary thought is on the individual. You know, we have mm-hmm. individual actors doing different, like, individual decisions, and somehow that comes mm-hmm. together in a market to be, right? Like, that's a very oversimplified mm-hmm. version of how Americans think. Yeah. This is this is showing the failure of that level of thought yeah. Yeah. and how you have to have that coordinated actions. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, actually, um, <clears throat> the situation that we have in, in uh, Western Europe now, and especially also in Germany, uh, is also a re- reflection of a very decentralized health system that we have here. Um, yeah. Starting from Germany, uh, health in Germany is uh, a state uh, thing. Yeah. So we have 16 federal states. Uh, some are some are as tiny as, as a single city of a few hundred thousand people, mm. um, and they basically all can take their own decisions about reopening schools, reopening kindergartens, um, and and a lot of other things. Yeah, and also on a more macro level. Um, Germany is, of course, part, unlike the UK anymore, part of the European Union, yeah. which is a very, very much more heterogeneous than, than yep. the United States even is, yeah. without such a long common history, despite all the frictions that you, you guys had. So, right. so I guess it's only logical also that we, we are kind of struggling at this, in this early phase of this um, mm-hmm. rollout of the, of the vaccinations. Um, but yeah, it was, I mean, it's clearly yeah, affecting the morale of people um, because you also say, okay, if you had been quite honest in early November, you could have been like, okay, let's forget about Christmas. Because yeah. no one, of course, no one wanted to say that. Right. Um, right. And probably, I don't know, maybe there would have been riots back then. Who knows? I mean, people would have been also not, clearly yeah. not happy because the numbers were not so high at that point. Exactly. And, yeah. and um, But of course, it would have been probably the best thing to do to, to try and, and you know, squash the, the numbers to have a full lockdown, whatever, November, December. Yeah. And then we would have been in early January where we're not even at now. So um, is, This is like, it's so hard. Like, the science part of it, I can't emphasize, again, I just want to say this again, like, mm. holy cow, we are so amazing at, yeah. like, creating these vaccines. And then the human part is just so hard. I mean, it, it, like, can you imagine what it would be like to tell people that they couldn't meet with their families during one of the important, oh, yeah. ho- like, holiday, yeah. like, yeah. religious holidays? Like, and Christmas, Christmas in Europe is huge. I mean, we have no Thanksgiving. Yeah, it would be like in the U.S. saying, yeah, Thanksgiving and Christmas. Um, <laughs> and I don't know, 4th of July, it's not yeah. happening this year. <laughs> and it comes during like sort of a tough period, right? Like things are like already people are moving indoors and like there's less light. Like it's good to celebrate mm-hmm. during that time. And yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's exactly when the virus wants to get you. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, exactly. Yeah. You mentioned something when we talked before. Um, uh, maybe you can share this also for the listeners about the uh, the outdoor dining uh, that has <laughs> been. Um, <laughs> also, it's been it's been here. Um, yeah. I mean, yeah, clearly when it's like minus ten Celsius, uh, yes. there's not even a point uh, to, to even try to have outdoor dining. <laughs> well, it was not even possible. We're still, we're still um, doing it. Like there are places but, here. Okay, so the way that they did in the United States, which is ridiculous, is they uh, they allowed outdoor dining. 
And so during the summer, that would look like, you know, the kinds of things that you see in Europe, you know, on the patios and the walkways and that kind of stuff. But now that the uh, winter has started to hit a lot of the United States, they started to put walls around <laughs> these outdoor dining facilities. And uh, and they've now got doors on them and they've got heating. Hmm. And so it's like they just built another building. So it's an outdoor indoor. <laughs> so it's an outdoor, outdoor indoor, indoor dining. Indoor outdoor. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> it is. In and outdoor. In and outdoor. I guess still still very very difficult um, to reach really uh, a high level of acceptance throughout the population of the dangers even yeah. of it. I mean that's that's what also kind of yeah it's really uh, difficult for me to deal with after almost a year uh, of the pandemic that there are still people like, yeah it's like the flu. Well, yeah. we should know that it's not by now, right? Right. I you know I don't know how to deal with this. So yeah. uh, let me let me talk about my own personal experience. Every once in a while, especially like sort of, uh, I guess it was like October, November, but then also maybe like this last month, every once in a while I was like, hey, am I crazy? <laughs> like, mm. am I, mm. like, have I been doing mm. something weird for this past year? Like, because it mm. feels like there's a lot of people mm. who are out and about and doing things. And, mm -hmm. and I'm like, have I taken this like too seriously? Or like, have I? <laughs> and you're the scientist. So yeah. <laughs> if yeah. anyone should be, you know. <laughs> close to the whole thing it's you, so. yeah and it's just, uh, so i can't imagine not being connected to the fields and like sort of knowing the numbers and knowing the kinds of like devastation it's like delivered mm. I, you know part of this is like consequences are maybe not obvious like mm. i think mm. if we like showed videos and i don't think we should do this but if mm. we showed videos of what it looked like in the emer mm. in the emergency rooms and the treatment wards like mm. people like dying of aspiration like you know not being able to breathe like yeah. the thing is we had these images um last march and april from yeah. northern italy we, at least in europe they were shown all over the, yeah. the news um, yeah but i mean to say and this is uh, clearly like a, a discussion maybe for another day uh, this kind of disinformation age that we're living in yeah it's just yeah it's oh that's actually super interesting can i say a little bit yeah. about this uh, is yeah uh there's very clear evidence that uh russia has been using uh this as like a wedge point um so mm -hmm. there was a study mm -hmm. that came out that looked at uh intentional uh inflaming of the debate so basically coming in and uh about 50 50 uh, the russian sort of bots the troll farms putting in like hey anti-vax people you guys are idiots and better and then coming in on the mm. anti-vax side and also being like hey oh, you know cool. the government's like doing these things and so it's a very intentional uh wedge mm. issue that's very personal mm. and yeah like there are people who are using it to disrupt other countries and very notably mm. explicitly russia has been doing this mm. and it's, it's been doing it in the united states for a while um and it probably is doing it right now as well we'll probably know about a year from now as the research comes out yeah and we know not only since the election of Donald Trump, um, that these kind of messages, very hateful and sort of divisive, yeah. uh, divisive messages, um, are actually rewarded by uh, the big social networks, um, yeah. by Facebook, by Twitter. Um, and um, yeah, it's not uh, just solved by banning Donald Trump um, right. from that platform. Um, so that's also like an endemic um, problem there. Um, yeah. It's um, really... Yeah, that I ha have not seen uh, um, even the attempt of a resolution for that, no. because um, yeah, it's clearly threatening our system, our 
yeah, system of discourse. Um, and and let's talk a little bit about the new president. The, the one big promise um, that he went into office with is first 100 days, 100 million vaccinations yeah. for Americans. Um, how realistic is that? Um, I see already 63 million done. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. that's kind of... Yeah, I, I'm not start, sure if right? he was... Like, so one should say 63 million total doses, but full vaccinations, 18.8 right. million. So right. a little bit less than 19. Yeah. Um, so I guess when he meant 100 million, he meant 100 million people actually protected, yep. fully protected. Yeah. Is that still realistic? Was this sort of like an, an early promise that cannot really be kept i mean like you know it's it's a nice target i mean like when you're communicating mm. right like what's the difference between 100 million and 99 million like i i don't care about the numbers like mm. in that sense or level of precision uh the things that the biden administration has been doing that's really important is the boring like logistics so <laughs> they've got an amazing uh, amount of money streaming into the states in order to pay for things in order to pay for people to do the injections in order to purchase the kinds of like freezers and stuff like that so the 100 million is a nice thing because like you know it sort of puts a target out there and people can talk like like you just were like you know are we going to hit that what does it take to do that mm. and it's an organizing principle mm. um but i'm really excited because they are they've got the right funding streams going mm -hmm. they have the right kinds of like training and they're bringing the right kinds of people in to do this stuff so it's just like, oh my gosh <laughs> and they're being transparent <laughs> about it and like mm -hmm. and actually it, it's pretty obvious now that like the trump administration was not doing any of this mm -hmm. um and there's probably going to be some even more shocking stories over the next couple months about mm -hmm. like how prepared they were like so if they had mm. one it would be, we'd be in a very different state here in the united states mm. um yeah so so the tra transition trump biden clearly is a tra transition for the more positive oh um gosh. but the 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 party lines are a bit messy there though because um there were also reports now in german media about the new york state governor uh, cuomo yeah. um who was apparently i didn't even notice that so much last year hailed as this you know great savior right. guy who Uh, did so well in Corona, who's going to be the next president right. and whatever, and like really a, a freak show of admiration. Um, turns out... Uh, kind of a jerk. Not, yeah. The, yeah, the numbers were not really what yeah. he said they were. Yeah. And, uh, and, and even I read that even last summer, some of it already had transpired, but still some part of the media, like his brothers with CNN and he interviewed him. And yeah. so... Somehow, oddly, he didn't ask him a critical question. Yeah. <laughs> so, I, I, what the heck is going on there? I mean, this is exactly the worst uh, case for a lot of public health, right? Like, mm. here's a person, fairly charismatic, uh, Cuomo. Mm. Um, he can get up there and he can really talk trash and he can be like really strong and macho. And, mm. and he was portrayed by the media, including his brother, a very famous like CNN mm. commentator. Um, uh, as being uh, the opposite of Trump, being very uh, forthcoming, uh, mm. being very caring of the people mm. and interacting mm. with people. And, and he was brought in by his brother on CNN and they would like have these like funny chats with each other and like mm. tease each other about their mom, which one, you know, okay. uh, did their mom love me or love you more? Like it was mm. like, so it was really charming and it was really, and in the background, uh, 
his administration was suppressing data. Uh, this will, oh, by the way, this will, death, ra- death rates as well, right? Yeah, death rates. Sorry, in particular in like nursing homes. It was like, mm-hmm. I think the, the most recent numbers are they like have basically cut it in half. Part of the way that they were hiding, if I understand correctly, is if someone from a nursing home was transferred out to the hospital, they weren't counting it as a death mm-hmm. um, for, for inside of a nursing mm-hmm. home, which is just insane. Um, because mm-hmm. like that's, that doesn't give you a picture of how... Uh, mm-hmm how much the virus has started to attack the nursing homes and how vulnerable mm. they were. They're really like manipulating that. And mm. the Cuomo team uh, is trying to say things like, if it had come out at that time that this was going on, the Trump administration would have used it in as a politically divisive, aggressive tactic against our state of New York. Mm. I mean, like, it shows you how, I'm not going to adjudicate that, Right. Like, and I, yes, I, I really do believe that the Trump administration would have done that. But I think the important point is that the kinds of trust here and the kinds of aggressiveness um, between political organizations, that's what's killing people right now. Mm-hmm. We know what to do. Like the mm-hmm. science of it is not ambiguous, but it's like these kinds of things where people are hiding information um, and distorting information because they're going to get attacked politically. That's the kind of stuff that's really leading to people's deaths right now. Mm. Yeah. Okay. So, what's your outlook um, for the spring that's coming? In, yeah. And in California, I know the spring is more like summer. Yes. Um, it's actually because the winter so is more like spring. Yeah. <laughs> today, today, the next couple of days are unbelievably beautiful here. Like just like obscenely, inappropriately beautiful today. Yeah. What, what's the plan? Are you gonna go cycling or? What, yeah. Are you gonna, are you gonna be outside uh, and still isolating? Or what's, what's the plan? Yeah, I'm gonna actually. I'm planning on going for a little bit of a, a hike in the woods later today. That'll be nice. Nice. Um, cool. Yeah. So I'm excited. Uh, I, you know, mm-hmm. like. I would say that by the fall, things are going to be looking really good. But I would say even during the summer, we're going to see things mm. returning largely um, more towards normal. And I think we're going to start even seeing Even in Germany? <laughs> you know, I feel like I owe you more information about Germany. I should do some yes. digging into Germany. Next time. Yeah. Next time. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So we'll be back with more. A lot of information for today, uh, including Bill Clinton and Tony Blair. Yeah. Uh, and oh, I should look others. up stuff in Kosovo, too, for those folks here. Okay, every time now a fun fact about uh, Kosovo. Yeah. Um, and we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, thanks, Mike. And yeah. I'll talk to you soon. All the best. All right, bye.